Welcome to the Monterey Podcast. For more information, check out our website at montereychurch.com. I want to be clear, I paid Ashley a large sum of money to say those things. Before we get started this morning, uh, next week, Barry will be starting a new sermon series called The Unsettling Messiah. And hopefully in your chairs, you got one of these cards. And we'd like you to do something for us to help us get started with the series. We'd like you to answer a question. And the question is, is what is unsettling about following Jesus to you? What is unsettling about following Jesus to you? And you can do that a couple ways. You can scan the QR code on the screen right now and answer it that way. You can scan the one that's on this card right here. Or uh, just fill out the back of the card with that answer and drop it in the offering tray when it's passed a little bit later on in the service. This will help us. We're going to be using these uh, starting this upcoming Sunday and several Sundays after that. But because we are using it this upcoming Sunday, we would love to get your responses as soon as possible. But if at all possible, please reply to us by Wednesday so we have some time to do that. So we've been talking about what it means to move from me to us. And you just heard Ashley Davis talk about what it means to be a part of community. We've been in this series since August 22nd talking about movement, about a road that we're traveling, moving from me to us, to a community of believers, not just a bunch of individuals. A community that commits to one another, that commits to our hurts, commits to our joys, and commits to carrying each other's burdens. A community that more importantly commits to the mission of God that may be going on here, but more importantly of what happens out there. In talking about moving from me to us, we have to take a hard look at what it means to be me. Of whatever it may have felt like when you first showed up here. And you decided to kind of sit down and see what this place is about. And you take a look at yourself and you begin to ask questions when you come as a me. We show up here as a me and we start to ask questions like, what does it mean for me to be me here? What do I like about this place? What do I dislike about being here? What fills me up? How am I served and how am I serving? Do I like the worship, the sermons, the classes, the teen group, the children's ministry, The young adult classes, do they speak to me? Do I fit here? Do I belong here? Am I wanted here? In all honesty, these are great and valid questions, but I cannot stay just me. If the questions about being a part of community stop with me, what I get out of it, then I might have missed what it means to be a part of, of us, a part of us, not just me, but us. But wait a second, this is very comfortable, right? This is a very comfortable seat to be in. We like this seat, it's comfy, it has something to it. it, It's easier to just be me than it is to be us because I'm responsible for only me. It's comfortable because at least I know what to expect. No one can tell me what to do. I know what it is to be fully me. Okay, I know what it is most of the time to be fully me. Okay, some of the time I know what it's like to be me. Occasionally, I know what it's like to be me. And maybe me looks a little different in us. 
But it's certainly easier to be me than it is to be us, right? This is more comfortable. No one can tell me what to do. No one can tell me how to do it. It's contained. I get to control it. At least I have an illusion of control. Just being me seems a lot more comfortable than being us. Because us has a lot of ideas. Us has a lot of opinions. And a lot of those ideas and opinions may not be what my ideas and opinions are. And sometimes, if we're being honest, a lot of times, if we're being honest, we would just rather be me. And for some of us, whether we're sitting here or watching from home, some of us are going to be more interested in just staying a me. And I don't want us to have any misconceptions about what it means to be me. I can sit in this chair every week in this room with you. I can sit in this room with all of you every single week. I can sing the same songs, worship the same Jesus. I can listen to the same sermons as you every week and still just be a me. There is an easy way to do that. Never connecting to what us might be. But when I follow Jesus, when I follow the King, when I, when I see Jesus is the Lord of my life, I am called and pushed to something more than just being me. As Barry said a couple of weeks ago, in a culture where it's easy to focus on the individual, my rights, don't tell me what I can do, don't tell me what I can't do, what I do doesn't affect anyone else, doesn't affect you, it affects me. In that kind of world, God calls and pushes us to move from me to us. Philippians 2, 1 through 4 states it this way. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but to the interest of others. And so I begin to move. I begin to move from a me to an us, And I have to tell you, I could preach like this every week. Moving from me to us means I get to ask more questions. It means I get to ask better questions. I begin to realize that I'm not supposed to live alone by myself. I am to allow people in to see who I am, to see me for me. And I'm supposed to dig into other people to see who they are. The deeper that I, the me, is in relationship with God, the better I can be with the us. Not only that, but being me, coming into an us, makes me a better me. But we begin to ask those questions. How do I impact others? How do others impact me? How can I impact others? What is the image of God in me? How does that look like the image in God, of God in us? What does it even mean to be us? What is our mission? What is our culture? What is our identity as us? How do we live day in and day out as us? How do we be an us and not only just of me?
How do we serve? Who or what do we find ourselves serving? 1 Corinthians 12, 24 tells us this, but God has put the body together. Stop there. God has put the body together, not us. We did not make this us. God made this us. We cannot decide why, who, where, or how this us acts or moves because we did not make this us. God put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should be having equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, man, we have a hard time with this. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Isn't that amazing? Not only did we not put this us together, we're all a part of this us that God put together. But what is the purpose of us? Are we just an us for our own purposes, for our own edification? What is the point of us being us? Ashley Davis said it in the video a few moments ago, when we are in community, we are a fuller picture of Christ not a fuller picture of us, but a fuller picture of Christ. Maybe that fuller picture isn't about us. Maybe that fuller picture is about them. Maybe the fuller picture is about the other side of this doorway, this, this figurative, sometimes literal doorframe them on the other side. Because we talk like that a lot, don't we? Us here and them out there. Us and then the world. Who is them? Who decided who them was? Who made them a them? On the other side of this, this door frame that sometimes we just stare at, sometimes we actually ignore as if it's not there. It's just us, right? Who exactly made them of them. We've accepted the invitation, right? So who is them? Is there any way? Is there any way that we, our us, have possibly created a separation that says that we are here and you are over there? Is there any way we have contributed to us versus them? What is the difference between us and them? Are we better than them and they are worse? Is that the difference? And if we say Jesus is the difference, absolutely Jesus is the difference. If we say that and we hold on to that, then the question still comes back to what is the purpose of us in relationship to them then? Matthew 25, 31 through 40. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. 
He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now, this is a little bit of a scary scene, a little prophetic, a little eschatology that we have going on here from Matthew 25. And we often view this text, we view it from a me or us mentality, a self-preservation mentality. Well, of, of course, I want to be the sheep, not the goats. How many of us here go, I want to be a goat? How many of us are going to say, I might be a goat? How many of us are going to say, I want to be the sheep? I think I'm the sheep. I hope I'm the sheep. So if we think that way, then we're the sheep. Who's the goats? Who do we apply to being sheep and goats? Are we good and them, they are bad? Now, we may not say that. We may not say that directly. We sometimes may not even think that. But man, there are times when we certainly act like that, isn't it? As if we did something to gain this salvation, it's easily defined, it's easily contained, and it's easily controlled when we determine who are the sheep and who are the goats. But there's a problem with us determining that. We're not the shepherd. We don't get to determine the sheep from the goats. We don't determine righteous from unrighteous people. We don't determine worth. That is God's job. That is Jesus' job. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In this picture, in this image that we're given from Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats don't get determined who's the sheep and the goats. The shepherd does. In this image we are given, we have one goal, to walk through this door frame, to feed the hungry, Quench and restore the thirsty. Make a place for the stranger. Clothe the naked. Bring healing to the sick. And visit the prisoner. Now here's the question. What are they hungering for? What are they thirsting for? Why might they feel lonely or outcast? What might they need to be covered with? What wounds might they be carrying? What holds them prisoner? And if we were to be, again, honest with ourselves, these are great questions we probably should be asking about ourselves, our us. Not just them, but about me, about us. There's another thing I want us to see about this text that Jim Beck pointed out in a class several years ago and it shaped me. And I want to look at Matthew 25, starting in verse 35 again. And the question is this, where is Jesus in this picture? The Son of Man comes, separating like a shepherd, and the Son of Man, the shepherd, says this, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. 
I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Jesus is already with the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, and the prisoner. He's already there. If Jesus is already there with them and Jesus is already there here with us and with me, then what does that say about our purpose between us and them? Maybe our purpose isn't to define a difference between us and them, but our goal is to partner with Jesus wherever Jesus is versus us deciding who is worthy and unworthy, whether we mean to or not. Maybe we simply partner with wherever Jesus is. Maybe there is no us or them. People have never been, are not, and will never be our enemies. Sin is our enemy. Satan is our enemy. But people, as Ashley Davis said at the beginning in the video, people are God's children made in his image. Some of us have accepted the invitation and some of us have not accepted the invitation. But Jesus is still working in both places. God's mission is everywhere and our goal is to join with him in his mission, not our own. Genesis 4.9, am I my brother's keeper that Aaron brought up last week? Yes, we are our brother's and our sister's keeper. Yes, we are. Luke 9.27, who is my neighbor? Everyone Everyone is my neighbor. Here's one of the more interesting parts about what we've been talking about these weeks, and including me, how I've talked about it so far this week. I've been talking about this movement as if it's a progression, as if it starts with me, and then I become a, an us, and then us as an us, we go to a them, as if it's this movement, these steps. And we like that because it's black and white. It's a checklist. It's easy for us to go through and go, okay, so step one, what do I need to do? Step one, be a good me. Okay, how do I be a good me? Well, do this, don't do that. Perfect. Step one, done. Ding. Step two. Let's go to step two. What's step two? Be the best us. What does it mean to be the best us? Best us. Do this, don't do that. Step two, got it, perfect. Ding, step two's done. What does step three mean? Step three is we step through the door and we grab them and we bring them back to be part of us. Step three, what do we tell them? We tell them how to do this and how not to do that. Step three, ding, we're done. But don't question why we do this or don't do that. It's the way we've always done it. And if you question too much, if you challenge too much of why we do this and don't do that, we may have to send you back out there with them. Now, we don't necessarily say it that way, but we do think that way. We do act that way sometimes. We like steps because steps give us control. And there, that right there might be the problem. Do we think we have control over becoming the best me? Do we think we have control over being the best us? Do we think we have control on how to tell them to be the best us? In reality, being me, being us, them being them, all these things are happening at the same time. They're in concert with one another. They're fully engaged with one another. They're simultaneous with each other. We have an image that we have been created in and it's about us letting go of control of what it means to be me, us, or controlling them. 
Maybe it's about an image that we're to be moving towards, not controlling. And if it's not about us controlling me, us, or them, then what is it about? Galatians 2.20 and 21. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, the grace of God, the grace I didn't work for, the grace I can't control, the grace I did not earn, the grace we do not set aside, the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, through working for it, through controlling it, then Christ died for nothing. Aaron quoted Jim Beck last week when he said, it's not about our ability, it's about our availability. Our availability first to God, and then from that, our availability to others. Maybe we're to be asking less about what it means for me to control me or us or them, but to be asking what does it mean for me, us, and them to be his. Not my image, his image. Maybe it's about laying down our lives rather than trying to control them. We lay down our lives on the altar before God and surrender. God, I give up me. God, I give up us. I give up them. Now, what do you want to do with me? What do you want to do with us? What do you want to do with them? And how am I going to partner with you in it? Because it is your mission, your image, and not mine. And thank you, Josh Haynes, for pointing this out last week. He's not looking for perfection. Our surrender and our activity is not perfection. We get to screw up what it means to be me and us and working with them. Thank God for Jesus who is gracious we didn't work for it, who is gracious and forgiving. Thank God for Holy Spirit who lives and breathes in us that we never walk alone. And thank God for family that walks alongside one another and carries each other's burdens. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 and 27, one more time. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Our mission here at Monterey is to love God and love others. We do not qualify nor define others because we believe we are our brothers and our sisters keepers in this building in this city, across this country, and across this world. There is no us versus them. There is love God and love others. We love the person sitting in the seat beside us this morning. Don't look, because you may change your mind. We love the person teaching our children and children's classes. We love the one who disagrees with us, no matter where you find yourself. We love the person in the cubicle beside us at work or the office at work. We love the kids sitting next to us at school, no matter how much he or she may annoy me. We love the person who cut us off on the way to church this morning. 
And we don't do it because we like them. We don't do it because they treat us nice. We do it because they are a child of God made in his image. Because Jesus died for them just as he died for me and for us. We've been asking you for the last several weeks, whether online or in person, whether you've been here for 50 years or as Aaron Dawson said last week, five minutes. We're asking you to, con to consider, to prayerfully consider committing to Monterey and filling out our commitment form. We don't want you to commit to Monterey Church of Christ. And if that's what you've heard, I'm sorry, we've done a poor job of conveying this. We don't want you to commit to Monterey Church of Christ, but we do want you to commit to the people that are here, to the body that is here, the, what the God is doing in this place. We don't want you to commit to our mission and what we're thinking we're going to do. We want you to commit to the mission that God is doing through us, in us. That form is on our website, it's on our app, it's out in the Great Hall at our info desk. If you want a physical copy, you can fill that out. But we don't want you to do it just to check a box. Pray about what it means to be a part of something more than just a me. For the sake of not us, but for them. For the sake of the world, all of us. Committing to Monterey is not about committing to a church building, it's committing to his mission in this body and through this body. I didn't see the video before I was planning all this out, but this right here is the crux of it that Ashley Davis said in the video. Again, I repeat it. When we are in community, we are a fuller picture of Christ. Pray with me. God, we are so wonderfully broken but you make us whole. God, we mess up so much, but you pick us up. Father, we make so many things about the me's or the us's and forget about them, but you didn't. God, remind us what it means to be more than just me or us, what it means to be a, a bigger part, not just a local church, but a church that impacts the world, not because of our image, but because of yours in us, all of us. God, we're gonna go to work. We're gonna go to school. We gotta do these things. I pray that you give us your eyes to see and that we crave your eyes. We desire your eyes to see and your ears to hear what your spirit is doing and that we pursue that wherever we find ourselves. God, we're a part of something larger, your kingdom. Help us to move towards that, not just what we want, not just what I want. God, we praise you for Jesus. We praise you that he did not leave us in the pit. He did not leave us in the muck, in the mud, in the sin. That he reached down, pulled us up, actually got in the pit with us and took us out with him. And so we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.